You may be seated. Dan's going to sit up here and kick me when I'm when I fall out of place here. He said he couldn't leave, but he went down anyway. I told him I was going to try to keep him awake. Oh, you were going to keep me awake. Oh, I can't leave. Oh, okay. Yeah, normally I get to step down and and enjoy pastor's sermons. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. We're so glad that you're here, and, and hopefully you've uh, enjoyed enjoyed getting to worship through songs and uh, what we've done. Uh, off and on, I have little conversations with everyone. And so, as I mentioned this morning, this is a rabbit trail because this is not in my notes. And if I don't use my notes, I get on rabbit trails. So I'll try to use my notes. But anyway, with that said, um, I don't usually preach. I mentioned to someone this morning, I've mentioned to several someone this morning, I'm more used to, I think Sally and I had the largest conversation in Morgan. I usually preach to, or teach teenagers, I don't usually preach to adults. So it's different, you know, and, and, and you have to be more mature. Uh, I, I will not go into any details, but many, many, many years ago, it was actually like three decades ago, uh, I, was, I was preaching on a Sunday night at, at the church where we were youth pastoring, and one of the teenage girls leaned over to Jindy and said, What's he doing? This is big church. <laughs> you can't say things like that. I won't do that to you, babe. She was trying to figure out how to slide out of the pews and get to the house with the suitcases and get out of town before they ran us out. I did bring it all around, and there was a real good message in there. Maybe, maybe for another day. Well, I'm going to start this morning by uh, uh, opening with a a question. It's a question that we're going to try to answer, but actually I can't answer this for you. You have to answer it for yourself throughout, throughout the whole message this morning. And the question is this. Are you living in freedom or are you living in slavery? Are you living in freedom or are you living in slavery? About 21 years ago, I was uh, working a full-time job with a company called Eagle Pitcher in uh, Technologies, and, and I was sent with uh, one of the men, Keith, to Chicago. We were going to do some audits on some companies that were supplying uh, parts to us so that we could do our job. And we, in Chicago, Keith had been there several times. I'd never been there before. And Keith had uh, favorite places he liked to go. In fact... He liked to be able to walk downtown, so he booked us in the Holiday Inn Express, which was about two blocks off of the main downtown Chicago, so we didn't have to drive in and park. He could just be at the hotel. He could walk out, enjoy the evening, and then walk back to the hotel at the end of the night. Well, we got there that morning, and so right before lunch, and so he took me to his favorite uh, authentic Italian restaurant. Now, it wasn't towards the city, it was a couple blocks away from the city. So we walked back to where it was. It was a small, kind of a hole-in-the-wall type place. We went inside and sat down, and, and they had a special that day. It was pork chops, and Keith ordered the pork chops, and I ordered pasta, and he shared one of his, and I shared some of mine, and we had pork chops and pasta. And uh, so he told me some stories about times he had been there in the past. They had a booth just not very far from where we were. They had these great big columns on each corner and some curtains. And he said he had been there for supper at different times when some men in some nice suits would walk in. And they would go sit in those booths and they would pull the curtains. And then they had 
a couple of bodyguards that would stand outside of the booth to make sure that no one came to interrupt these guys. I don't know what was going on there. Um, but it, it did kind of seem like there might have been some kind of an Italian mafia taking place. And, and uh, So we only ate lunch there, and then we didn't eat there again the rest of the time I was there. Um, and and the, the special was over $30 for, his, for Keith's special. So we also didn't eat there anymore um, during that time because I think we had a $30 meal fee for the week or maybe 25 or 20 I don't know, but it, it exceeded what we had for, for that one meal. Anyway, so after... After that, we would go during the days and uh, do our audits, and then in the evening, we'd go back to the hotel, get our things put up, and then we'd, we'd go eat together, and then we'd go our separate ways. Keith had things he wanted to do, and I had things I wanted to do. I wanted to go visit the Michael Jordan restaurant and, and store the, and, and just check everything out. There were, there were a lot of different places for me to look at. He'd been there before. He didn't care. So I'd gone in one store, and I was coming out, and it came out to a corner uh, where the door came out to that corner, and as I walked out, there was a, a homeless man sitting there, and a young man in his 20s, and he asked me if, if I had some money that could, he could get a taxi because he was hungry and he wanted to go to the local mission to be fed, to get a meal. Of course, I'm thinking he just wants money so he can go get some alcohol, and I wasn't going to do that, and I didn't have very much money on me anyway. So uh, I told you I wasn't going to bend down very much, and I've been doing this all morning already. Uh, I'll try to stop doing that. Anyway... And can everyone hear me all right? Because I have a tendency to get soft. Okay. If not, go like this or something, and I'll, I'll try to get louder. Anyway, so uh, I, I told him, I said, I really don't have money to give you to go to uh, get a cab, but I'll be happy to walk you to the mission if you want to go to the mission and get some food. He said, I'm not walking down there. there you've got to go through some dangerous parts of town. I'm not doing that. I, I just need money for a cab. I said, well, are you really hungry? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, there's a McDonald's about two blocks over here. If you'll walk with me over to McDonald's, I'll buy you something to eat. So he agreed, and we started walking a couple blocks. And, of course, I kept a fairly close eye out without trying to be too obvious because I, I didn't know this man, and I didn't know what he may or may not try to do. Well, we walked, and we talked for, for two blocks, and we get to McDonald's, and we went inside. And uh, I said, just order what you want, and, and I'll pay for it. And so he, he's looking, and he's getting ready to step up to the counter. And about that time, the manager of McDonald's came around in front, and he looked at him. It caught me completely off guard. He said, leave. I won't serve you. He kicked this man out of, out of McDonald's. I couldn't believe he was doing that. And uh, I said, he just want to get some food. He said, no, I won't serve him. The young man looked at me, and I looked at him. And uh, he, he said, he's, not, he's kicking me out. I said, well, you tell me what you want, and I'll buy it, because he's not going to kick me out. So he told me what he wanted, and then he went outside. So I walked up to the counter to the manager, and I told him what I wanted. And he said, he's, he's not going to eat it. He's going to throw it in the trash. He just wants money for alcohol. As soon as you give it to him and leave, he's going to throw it away. I said, well, that's where I got you, because I'm not going to go away. I'm going to go out there and sit down with him while he eats. So he gave me the order, and I went outside, and he was still there, and we sat down at a table, and, and I began to talk to him and, and uh, just conversation while he began to eat, and he would communicate in between bites. I found out that he had grown up in a smaller town outside of Chicago, and he had gone to Chicago to make something of his life. But the relationship with a girlfriend had gone bad, and everything had just gone bad. And now here he was out on the streets of Chicago, living in the streets, and... and uh, I asked him, you know, well, do you have family back home that you could go to who could help you out? 
I said, well, yeah, they're there, but I can't go back. I can't go back because he had failed at everything that he was going to do and he, and he couldn't, couldn't go back and face his family with his failures. The fact is, he was living freedom in the streets, but he was living as a slave to the decisions that he'd made. I couldn't help but be reminded that Jenny and I had gone through some difficult times, as most young couples do. And uh, so I was able to share some of our difficulties. And sometimes I, I, I'd been in a position where I'd had to eat a little bit of crow, suck up some pride to get back on my feet where I needed to be. So I shared that with him and we talked. And, and uh, I told him, I said, I, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to come back to Chicago again. But if I do, I hope that I don't ever run into you here because he was young. He was smart. He was intelligent. He had a whole future ahead of him. So I encouraged him to go back home, suck up the pride, and go back to where he could get some help and give himself a second chance. To my knowledge, our paths have never crossed again, but I kind of hope and pray that God was able to use that to encourage him to step out of slavery and into a, a world of freedom. I, I prayed the whole time we were talking. I was, I was praying that God would, would somehow use that. You always have to ask that question. Was he living in slavery or freedom? I mean, he was living in the free country of the United States. But he was trapped in his own decisions. He was a slave. And it's no secret. You and I have both been trapped by our fears of the unknown. Or sometimes even by our own pride. Our own selfish, foolish pride. Sadly enough, there are still people today who are being forced into slavery, even here in the United States and, and around the world. As I was preparing for this, I, I was looking on some websites for some information, and it's amazing how many sites are out there to try to help because people are literally being made slaves, taken advantage of all around the world. None of this is new, though. It's been going on for thousands of years. Take Joseph, for example. We all know about Joseph. He was not born into slavery. He was born a free man. And uh, his brothers got upset with him, and, and so they sold him to the Ishmaelites. I'm going I'm to jump on the side. Actually, it's in my notes, but I'm going to jump sideways here because when we think about the Ishmaelites, we always think about they had some goods and whatnot. They were going to Egypt, and they were going to sell it. Let's jump back just a little bit in Genesis Abraham was the father of Isaac. But Abraham was, before the father of Isaac, Abraham was the father of Ishmael. And the Ishmaelites were Joseph's cousins. His brothers sold him to their cousins, who then turned around and sold him as a slave in Egypt. A great family thing going on there. <laughs> family like that. Maybe my friend didn't want to go back. No, no, no. Hopefully his family wasn't like that. But Joseph became a slave in Egypt where nobody served God. Still, he treated his masters with dignity. He wanted to please men, but ultimately he did it to please God. So let's take a little quick trip down memory lane and, and I'm going to jump through verses throughout this time so... It might have trouble keeping up in your Bible, and I'm not going to 
trying to make you flip through real fast, but you know this. You know what we're going to talk about. So in Genesis chapter 37, it begins with verse 23. It says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal... They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Remember, these were his cousins. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. And they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? His brothers agreed. If we jump to chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Once Joseph was in Egypt, he was purchased by Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. Now perhaps his cousins were at least kind enough to put in a good word that when they sold him, they sold him to one of the king's officials. They didn't sell him to just some Jack Henry out there that you know, was just going to you know, abuse him. If you jump down to the second part of verse 6 there in chapter 39, it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. And I find myself asking, was Joseph living as a slave or in freedom? Because he had a lot of responsibility that he was given. Well, if we look at verse 10, continuing, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her, even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Jump down to verse 16. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story that his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Verse 22 says, So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And again I ask, was he living in slavery or was he living in freedom? Because it it seems like an awfully strange position to be in. I mean, he was in prison, but he was in charge of everything. Now, while while, while he was in the king's prison, and, and it wasn't just any prison, think about that. God works in miraculous ways. He, he was a slave of a king's official who put him in the king's prison, so he's in the right place at the right time. While he was in there, God used him to interpret the dream of the cupbearer and the baker. And this, of course, was later shared with Pharaoh when he had a dream that no one could interpret. So if we look at chapter 41 and begin at verse 14, it says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph... And he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph said. 
But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. After interpreting the dream, Joseph said to Pharaoh in verse 28, It is just as I said to you, God has shown you what he is about to do. Verses 39 and 40, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow! Was Joseph a slave, or was he in freedom? The whole story, everything we see about Joseph. He was a slave who lived in the freedom that God gave him. Physically, he was captured. Spiritually, they had no control over him. It's safe for me to say that none of us here have ever been slaves. Like that man I met in Chicago, we've all found ourselves caught in slavery of doubts and fears, feelings of low self-worth. And if you're anything like me, you've probably asked yourself, If God knows everything about me the way I know everything about me, how can I even begin to matter to him? Been there, done that. I think we've all been there. We know ourselves way better than everyone else knows us. How could God love someone like me? Which leads me back to that original question today. Are you living your life in freedom? Or are you living in slavery? Because we can bind ourselves in a way that nobody else can. The fact is, there are many things that can make us slaves. You can be a slave to your job, to your family. Maybe to your parents or a husband or a wife or your children or your friends. You might even find out that you are a slave to the church. Doing all those good things, but you just can't stop. (laughs) Possibly some of it's not visible. Maybe you're a slave to yourself. Self-pity, self-righteousness. Maybe even a self-condemning attitude. And I think we all need to answer that question for ourselves today. The choice is really up to you and me. God's already chosen you. But we have to be the ones to choose the freedom that he has promised us to have. Let's look in the New Testament. Listen to the words that Jesus spoke in the book of John, chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they replied, We are Abram's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What Jesus was saying to those Jews 2,000 years ago, he's still saying to us today. 
Trust in me, and I will set you free from the chains that you have created for yourself. Paul was physically in prison, and yet spiritually he was trusting Christ completely, who had set him free. Uh, in my concordance, in my big, thick Bible, one of the, it says that one of the main reasons that Paul wrote the book of Romans was to explain God's plan of redemption to the believers, the plan of freedom. What was going on was that the Jewish Christians were being rejected by the larger group of Gentile Christians in the church because the Jewish believers still felt constrained to observe dietary laws and sacred days. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Paul wrote, Accept him whose faith is weak, Without passing judgment on, without passing judgment on disputable matters. And then in verses 10 and 11, Paul goes on to say, You then, why do you judge your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself. To God. Sadly, there are too many Christians who continue to live under the same type of slavery. We know how Christians are supposed to live, and when we see another Christian who isn't living up to the Christian standards that we think they ought to be living, we think less of them. Are we living in freedom or in sin and slavery? The sad truth is that this kind of attitude is nothing more than spiritual slavery called self-righteousness that we Christians are all too often guilty of possessing. Paul made it clear, I will never give an account for your life and you will never be accountable for mine. And he told us not to pass judgment on disputable matters. Disputable matters. Why? Because there are never any winners with disputable matters because I'm going to believe what I believe and you're going to believe what you believe and we're not going to change. Those things should not matter. It, there's a difference. You know, I want this wall white. Well, I want this wall yellow. We can dispute it all day long. But it doesn't change anything because it's not important in matters of spiritual concerns. There are no winners. In fact, write it down. This week, read chapter 14 of Romans. Romans chapter 14. This week, read it. Paul's very clear in there. The, the Jews felt like they couldn't eat certain things and they had to worship on sacred days. And Paul said, what's sacred to one person may not be sacred to another. Leave each other alone. Because they both answer directly to God, not to each other. We are there to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to guide one another along in our spiritual journey. But we are not there to condemn one another and to put each other down. We are there to encourage and lift one another up. So let's do our job and let's let Jesus do his thing. Loving the unlovable. Convicting the unthinkable. And forgiving the unforgivable. Breaking the chains of slavery which binds us. Amen. Are you living in freedom or in slavery?
Because if you're living in slavery this morning, I want you to know with confidence that Jesus holds the keys to release the chains that bind you. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate together true freedom as we share in the sacrament of communion. And as the ushers come to serve the elements for communion, I want you to take this time to reflect on your own life. Are you living in freedom or slavery? Do you completely trust the teachings of Jesus? Or are you living in guilt and fear? Maybe with foolish pride or self-righteousness.